0: This week on the Magnificently Huge Podcast, me and the boys talk about the boys. Welcome to the Magnificently Huge Podcast with your hosts, Eric Reed, Brian Kruger, and Chris Ryerson. Three idiots who decided to slap an adverb together with an adjective to bring you one Magnificently Huge discussion each week about the movies and pop culture we kind of like, maybe even secretly love, before we ultimately crab all over them. We're not here to save the world. We're just here to make it weirder, one podcast at a time. This is Magnificently Huge. Welcome, everyone, once again to the Magnificently Huge podcast. My name is Brian, and this week, my friends Chris and Eric will be joining me for a conversation about the Amazon Prime series The Boys. The Boys is a satire of corporate America and superhero team-ups and the Avengers and all of that good stuff, and we've got a lot to say about it. It's going to be a spoiler-filled conversation about that. We've also got, of course, our usual segment at the beginning of the show where we talk about other movies and shows and things we've been... video games and books, things we've been doing the last week, so uh, check the show notes, see which topics you like. And uh, give it a listen. As always, we you know we want to grow the podcast audience, so please subscribe to the podcast, share it on your social feeds, give us a rating if you would. And if you want to contact us, first just go to maghuge.com. M-A-G-H-U-G-E.com. That's our website. It's got all of our old episodes, and it's got links to contact us on all the socials. So you can hit us up on Twitter. We are at maghuge. Hit us up on Facebook. for the Magnificently Huge Podcast. Hit us up on Instagram. Or send us an email, we are magnificentlyhuge at gmail.com. All right, let's get on with the show!
1: It's Magnificently Huge Show, building a wall to your heart. It's just a jump to the left. And a step to step to the right. Put your hands on your hips. We all know this We Hey,
0: okay. hi, everybody.
1: <laughs> we hit the ground falling today. Yeah, as we always do. But
0: let's do the introductions, everybody. Welcome to the show. My name is Brian. My hi name Brian. is Eric.
2: Hi, Eric. This is Chris.
0: Hi, Eric. Hey, Chris. Hello. We did it. We said our names. Now back to our usual just rambling. Yeah. Life Sorry,
1: is I, like a hurricane yeah. here in uh, Duxburg. Oh, Lordy.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> and I will just apologize for the time where I recently watched uh, Rocky Horror again and it's just stuck in my brain, like that song I was always apt to do. So, yeah. And I just uh, watched
1: some Vaughn Williams stand-up. That's why I just stole some of his material. So
2: Nice. What have <laughs> you been doing, Brian, that you can bring to the table as a... Uh...
0: Well, you know, normally we do that as this, in a segment that we call The Fresh Shit. Oh. This shit is
3: fresh. Oh, shit. It is fresh. This stuff is real
0: This is the segment where we talk about what we've been watching and reading and doing this week. Yeah. I I could go first. That's fine. Um, I got a couple movies. So, Oh, boy. I was inspired by last week's podcast uh, to watch a movie I'd never seen before that you guys were talking about. So I watched League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Nice.
2: (laughs) What did you think?
0: (laughs) You know... (laughs) I had, heur- I had never been interested in this movie and, you know, had basically been told it was a giant meh, so I went in with low expectations and I had a great time.
3: Right? It's,
0: it's entertainment. That's all it is. Uh, it's... It's, it's just a Yeah, it's a full on blockbuster movie. The I mean the CG effects have not held up. It no. looks like it was rendered by a PlayStation four, yeah. which makes it better than Jiu Jitsu, which was
1: rendered <laughs> by a PlayStation Three. Well, I mean they think about it like 03 or something, so yeah. And they had the C yeah. team. They were not the big uh production of the year.
3: No,
0: no. clearly not. And, and and this is right on the heels of uh Attack of the Clones, so that whole like virtual set thing was still pretty fresh and they sure did uh, try yeah my favorite movie.
2: my favorite bits are when you've got the nautilus on
0: the open sea. And it's obviously just oh an inserted God. CGI model. Well, the, the Nautilus <laughs> keeps showing up. Okay, so *League of an Extraordinary Gentlemen* is a film adaptation of an Alan Moore comic in which we pull together characters from uh, characters that are in the public domain, I guess. So, like the Invisible Man, nineteenth century nineteenth
1: century yeah. literary superheroes. Yeah, it's basically guy. the it was. The yes. Justice League of the 19th century. It's basically yeah. yeah,
2: it's basically steampunk Avengers with Victorian characters. That's one its of conceive. whom
0: is is Captain Nemo, and the Nautilus is a submarine, but also this giant, huge ship that somehow keeps showing up in like you know shallow canals. water yeah like right Venice. And I, I just i just said to my wife I said, the nautilus just has feet it's just walking on the, bo- yeah. on the bottom of the, of the whatever waterway it's in well i like that it's
2: but, like 1898 or whatever and then uh nemo's also packing a hot rod in the nautilus for land cruising
0: right, right. It's just so which, stupid. which has the one american character i guess that wasn't in the comics no tom sawyer who of course as the american is only good at driving and shooting yeah well, in, in a world where they don't know about cars didn't he so, go on know. to play uh speed racer Isn't that the same actor is it i don't know i don't remember um he he left very little impression on me he felt he felt like he didn't fit at all and he didn't <laughs> um yeah but yeah i mean it's 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 ridiculous it knows it's ridiculous it's just going you know, going for the full on popcorn movie yeah. experience. And yeah, it's, you know, it's not a triple A movie, you know, but it's not a B movie either. It's, it's just kind of in that three out of five stars pocket. It's actually
1: with a bit of a budget. And because yeah. Sean Connery was in it, a lot of people expected more, I think. Right. Yeah. But it's fun. It's a fun goddamn movie. Well, part I, of it. it was. I love the part. Just real quick, my one of my favorite parts is when they get the letter from uh, uh, Dorian Gray. The, the the right and and, and it's a record. And oh, the, they ba- do the, the bad guy reveal. Yeah, th- yeah, and they do the whole thing with like the crackling and you know the the black and white jumpy grainy film. Right, and it turns out that that's like a, a sonic trigger. I was like, God, that's so smart yeah the way they make it old and new at the same time it's
2: fun but the plot is so ridiculous i mean it's like it's even beyond bond in its level of crazy yeah it's so convoluted and so insane that it's like dude come on it's really gotta be
0: down with it right you just you have to accept that this is a movie with the invisible man and and captain nemo in it and and just go right Yeah.
1: yeah I'm pretty sure Jason Isaacs was uh, uh, going to be the main villain until he Mm. looked at what was going on and said, "Uh, fuck this, and got out.
2: Well, (laughs) it pissed off a lot of people who are fans of the comic because it diverged, which we'll probably roll into some of our topic today. It diverged pretty drastically from the source material uh, because they had to do stuff like add Tom Sawyer so they could linked to the American audience, etc. So there's a lot of so, questionable choices.
0: As, as with all film adaptations of anything that was written, uh, by, watch by the Alan movie Moore. first. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> True. Watch the movie first and then go read the source material and then you're not disappointed in either one. Yeah. I haven't read the comic book. I had a good time. I could see how the script was better than the movie. I don't, well, you know what I mean? Well, like, the thing is, they had you can so see that much. They say, you know, the Nautilus emerges from, from you know, from the ocean or whatever. And, and you could hear the, the sort of people's gears turning as yeah. they read the script. And yeah, the execution wasn't there. By the way, Nautilus had solar panels. Boo. <laughs> <laughs> Boo. Well, the, the, anyway.
2: The whole thing with the movie was that, uh, it almost killed Stephen Norrington's career. Uh, it definitely killed his trajectory because he was coming off of Blade and so it was Riding the High, so they gave him this big-budget studio movie, but the studio had so many notes, and yeah. there was so much behind-the-scenes bullshit that the whole thing is just this watered-down mess of a movie. And I was, I'm always curious to, to see what his full vision would have been, I'm sure it would have been a much better movie. Released the yeah.
0: Norrington cut.
2: Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's unfortunate, but yeah, that's, it's so weird now because historically it's Connery's last film role. So right there, it's always going to have a place in cinema history.
0: So. What I'm saying is this is a hidden gem. If you've been trapped in your house for the last nine months and you're looking for a, a blockbuster style movie. This is one you might not have watched. That's actually worth your time and doesn't cost nothing. Cause it's on streaming.
1: Yeah. It's so modern it schlock. That's the way to look schlock. at it. You, you need yes. to learn to enjoy schlock. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Especially it could have been shit. better, but yeah, they weren't thinking. I, I actually think really what they needed was not a blockbuster mentality. They needed to make a small film that worked and plan five of them you know the way (laughs) the comic was done because the comic each series is like such a tight interesting adventure that they could have you know made a serial out of it so it'd be a good show for like one of these streaming uh, yeah now now. that they know how to think about these stories well i mean
2: they've already done the dawn patrol as or the doom patrol sorry as Dawn uh, patrol the doom Patrol? patrol uh so they can definitely
0: figure out a way to do.
2: I got this this, this.
1: image of all these hot like older women in leather, like with whips Oh, that's funny because I crops. just saw
0: Vin Diesel uh, grumbling, you know. But
3: anyway, <laughs>
1: yeah. Um- <laughs> hey, you want to go to
2: <laughs> Caparzo? Stay down, Caparzo.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Speaking of modern schlock and people making a small movie within their budget, the other movie I saw was a new film. It was made by the director of, of the uh, Happy Death Day movies, which I still haven't seen, but I'm told I really should. Um, his new film, the concept was Freaky Friday the 13th. Now, yeah, they don't the, have the rights to Friday the Thirteenth. They did release it on a Friday the Thirteenth this year. Yeah. it's just called Freaky. Yeah, with Vince Vaughn. With Vince Vaughn ugh, as ugh. Jason, essentially. Yeah, and I saw the some concept as the girl. Yeah,
2: I saw the concept. This yeah. is a body swap movie with serial killer and a teenage girl. Uh yep. And then I saw that it was called Freaky, and I just went, "Uh, I'm I'm out." I'm done. <laughs> no, thank you.
1: I think the only thing that looked interesting to me, though, was Vince Vaughn playing a teenage girl. Yeah. You know? One and sympathizes.
0: There's basically two two things worth seeing in this movie. One is, yes, Vince Vaughn playing the teenage girl, and the other is there are some good kills in this. Like, if you're a Friday the 13th fan, there's a few good kills in this movie. Uh, most of them happen early on, although one of them, Alan Ruck, as the misogynist shop teacher, uh gets met with the table saw pretty well. Mm. Uh so so there's there's that. Hey, pardon my French, but if you took a diamond and shoved it up <laughs> never mind. That's a yeah. fair spieler. Yeah, it's you know, it's a modern movie, so there's a lot of uh because of the gender swap in the Freaky Friday thing, you know, there's there's some watch your pronouns jokes, mm. things like that. Okay. Um it, you know, what? I thought it that didn't live good. up to its potential. It it looks good. It just doesn't quite get there. Like, and I think the like main problem. House. Yeah. Well, the main problem is the girl. Once the girl has the psycho killer in her body, she doesn't do anything with it. She just kind of makes evil eye faces. Right. And It's called a resting was... bitch face. Thank you. <laughs> No, it's not even that. It's just like, you know, the okay. looking up, you know, <laughs> okay. oh, I'm the clown you. from It face. I, <sighs> I, I, there's a scene towards the, towards the end where there's these three guys that are going to gang rape her while she's the killer, and they're like, you know, you've got three holes. And I thought, okay, there's the setup. Here comes the punchline because we've had a lot of creative kills, and they just don't. They don't go there. Do they rape her? And. Huh? No, they don't go there with the revenge on the on the gang rapists, where oh. they where they get what's coming to them in an interesting way. They 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 like ran out of ideas. Do they have a it's moment where
1: the where the killer says, "Wait a minute, I have I don't have the same upper body strength I used to have." Yes, <laughs> yes,
0: that's actually part of the plot. Um, the killer has to contend with the fact they're just not as tough as they were. Wow, it's
2: like Eric writes scripts or something. It's yeah, amazing that wow. you can just call this shit out. Well, here's here- <laughs> Here's my challenge to you, Brian. Now that you've popped your cherry on Mm. these, I assume you saw it on where, Hulu or something?
0: Uh, I paid to rent that one. Yeah, yeah. you did
2: in more ways than one. Uh, Mm. But I challenge you, there's a movie on Hulu called Bad Hair. Uh, which is basically this is the tagline: "Terror strikes when a woman's new hair weave seems to take on a life of its own." I dare you to watch that. <laughs> I've seen that the not- for that.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, wow! That, it looks like
1: a horror version of like you know all of the uh black hair uh, yeah. uh sort of. I don't That's know yeah, what funny. you call it? Political hair weave. Movement? Yeah. Basically, it's right
0: up there with Ginger Dead Man versus Evil Bong, yeah. right? For for high concept uh, scary movie. Well, anyway. basically,
2: that it, when I read when I saw that one coming out on Hulu, I thought, man, that's just uh, like an ethnic version of the the Beard Sketch from Kids in the Hall. That's literally all it is. <laughs> so,
0: yeah. <laughs> anyway, other than that, I've been playing those video games. I've been playing. I don't have anything new to say about them. So, who else has got some fresh shit? <laughs>
1: You know the, Tom Sawyer. He also played uh, Darby Crash in the, that Germs movie they made, which nobody cares. Saw. Nobody yeah. cares. But the, what's it, funny is after the film came out, uh, the Germs reunited for like a, a you know an old fogies tour, and they got that guy to sing as Darby Crash, which was very <laughs> okay. F- then poor taste.
0: Yeah, isn't it though? Yeah. Other than the germs
1: thing, Eric, you got any fresh shit? I got one uh, that I I really enjoyed for once. Uh, this week on Netflix, they released The Prom. Which was oh, a I knew it. to God. I knew it. You were going to see that. You fucking fucking. Oh my fucking God. Great. <laughs> so this, is, this
0: is where Eric and I, like, I'm the guy who goes to
1: watch all the big dumb Hollywood movies. Eric watches the corny musicals. All right. Yeah. Bring it. The prom. I loved it. I, I, I am a teenage girl, as, as we all know. <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah, it was. I didn't know that it was based on uh, a Broadway musical going in. I thought it was uh, another Ryan Murphy joint. Uh um, like yeah, so it's, it's a girl it fierce, who wants to I'm take her girlfriend to, to, to the prom. Uh, and so they cancel prom, the uh, and some very self-centered, uh, egotistical Broadway failures hear about this in New York and say, we're going to go down there and we're going to help her so that we can improve our image so that we can make a comeback on Broadway mm-hmm. or s- something insane like that. And it's fun. Because every one of these characters is properly detailed, there are no throwaways in this thing, which is Mm. rare. Uh, Uh, I do see that it it, also has Nicole Kidman. Yeah, yeah, Nicole Kidman. She's
0: Kidman, (laughs) Meryl Streep, and James Corden. Right? Like they got some names in this thing. Well,
1: Carrie Washington, Michael, get a number. They they each get their own sort of spotlight area. They're they're all very good. There's only one throwaway song I thought, uh, and that was uh, oh what's his name Andrew Rennell. Reynolds. He, he, he no idea. I, he's the guy from Black Monday, the one uh, 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 the one who's gay but not gay. Um, but uh, yeah,
2: anyway. I got nothing.
1: Okay, yeah. He, 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 otherwise, the, the songs are really good. I mean, to the point that when I saw the preview, the song was stuck in my head. I was like, oh, okay, well done. Well, and, well, isn't that what you want? So, well, the, so
0: in short, oh. Eric's review is, he loved it. It was much better than Cats, and he's going to see it again, <laughs> again and again. <laughs> yeah.
3: Well, the
2: bigger question is, uh, how, does, how does Meryl Streep's performance, a.k.a. her singing, uh, stack up against either of the Mamma Mia flicks?
1: Well, she wasn't in the second one, but oh, yeah, uh, I haven't seen it. So, yeah. and she was in Into the Woods, which is really good. So she can sing; she can really okay. sing. Yeah, okay.
0: she's she's legit. Meryl Streep is amazing.
1: Yeah, she's a national treasure. Just, let's and just is fun on watching the table. her sort of uh, crib Patty Lupone and uh, Liza Minnelli and be <laughs> a complete sort of self centered asshole the whole movie. It's fun. Yeah.
3: So, um, so what I'm hearing you okay. say,
0: Eric, is that the movie knows that it's cheesy and it's it's kind of making fun of these cheesy people and the selfishness with which they're doing their thing. Because it seemed from the trailer to be the sincere, like, let's go put on a show, you know, like the Mickey Rooney, you know, let's go save the gay prom thing. And I, and it just
1: looked Okay, cool. well, that's what I was saying about how they're all like well-developed characters. They have okay. to get to that point. They start off, you know, problematic, and over the course of the film, they learn. Yeah, we're shits, and it's it's like the the whole um, uh, uh, hatred for gays in the Midwest. That's part of mm-hmm. the story, but it's not the only part of the story. There's also these. Ah, uh, politically correct city folk coming to Indiana who think they're better than everyone, learning that that's not the way to be either. It's literally okay. coming together on this issue, and so yeah, it's very simple in the preview. But the the, the I'm not saying the story is more complex than that, but it's more complex <laughs> than that. You know? Okay. Would it make a
2: good double feature with like uh, Kevin Klein in In and Out? I don't it know. Sounds I never similar. Saw that. Really? Okay. okay. Watch yeah, that I one next. It's a good not good. a musical,
1: but it's well, got Well, the why same... would I watch it? That's true. <laughs> That's true.
3: Uh,
1: it's the same music uh, as the people who did uh, uh, Aladdin. Um, so it sounds uh, very Aladdin-y.
3: Um, really?
0: Yeah. Like Alan Menken wrote the music? Mm-hmm. Holy crap. There's that... so much money in this thing. It's a, it was a real Broadway musical
1: huh i i did not know i'm gonna i'm gonna make sure no i'm wrong uh matthew sklar (laughs) and chad yeah yeah matthew sklar is the name i remember yeah um but wedding singer elf the prom
2: but for all intents and purposes we'll just say alan menken wrote all the music for this musical <laughs> yeah
0: the magnificent and the huge podcast we don't know what we're talking about
2: yeah <laughs> but, but at Ever. least we have the
1: honesty to talk to you and not sit on wikipedia while we do this oh, we also don't
2: research uh, yeah but uh in point of fairness i'm actually on the prom wikipedia page right now
3: <laughs> so <laughs> oh <laughs> jesus well, I mean uh, I yeah. had
2: to I had to check your notes, sir, and uh I, I was you. gonna call you out if you didn't adhere to the honesty policy that we don't have on this show. So All
0: right. All
1: right. thank you for owning up to your your error. We appreciate it. The prom it. worth watching. It's very good.
0: All right. I'll I'll consider it. I, I looked at the trailer, I put it back on the shelf, maybe I'll reconsider it.
1: <laughs> it says
2: the man who went and watched Freaky instead. That's <laughs> awesome.
0: I watched Freaky instead of The Prom. I should, I should be clear about this. Yeah, and you <laughs> paid- last week. Yeah,
2: I got you. Okay. Uh,
0: All right. Chris, what do you got? Uh, I do have
2: a major life announcement that I'd like to share with you. Uh, okay. This is, this is, well, duh. Uh, okay. This is the weekend that my wife and I actually cut the cord and uh, we're no longer paying for
1: cable. We finally, Whoa. we finally, finally just got off our asses. Jesus We've been dragging Christ, our feet. I you were saying you were getting divorced. You're an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> that scared the crap out of me. I'm like, why I wouldn't share that on the program. You Come two on. cut the cord? What? Oh, yeah. oh shit. <laughs>
2: yeah. Uh, so basically we're just adjusting this weekend to uh, not having just 300 channels that we can just click through bl- blankly. You
0: have Hulu.
2: Well that's the thing is we, we found some alternatives. There's an app on the Roku called Pluto TV, which is literally okay. like having cable but you don't have to pay for it and it's just random shit. That's the thing that I felt like I would miss from not having cable is just having a random assortment of things just thrown at me from the universe that I can choose. Pluto?
1: Like the planet okay, or the, the dog. You 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 had said Pluto and I was like, Oh, that's so darling. Pluto it was poop. Uh, <laughs>
2: so this weekend, yeah, there's like a, a James Bond movie channel on there, so we've been watching a shit ton of those again. Uh there's like a Three's Company channel, so I've been watching a lot of threes oh company. <laughs> uh the Adams family, uh Carol Burnett show. I mean just all kinds of random
0: shit. So basically they've got all the old TV that you want to watch just streamable, so why pay for cable? Yeah, basically. Because
2: okay. that's literally all we would end up watching on cable anyway, was the junk <laughs> the junk channels that you can just turn your brain off and, you know, just sit there. Uh so that's been interesting. Uh but other than that, uh I have been catching up on uh unnecessary sequels to very big movies and uh oh dear like, as a refresher. And so, for the first time in, like, 25 years, I watched Escape from L.A., no. <laughs>
3: uh,
2: and it's still fucking terrible.
1: It just <laughs> doesn't have any need to exist other than they thought they could make some cash. Now, I still think that was John Carpenter saying, fine, I'll make a sequel, you dicks. Yeah, This is what yeah. I think of sequels. Well, <laughs>
2: it, but also, uh, Kurt Russell helped write the screenplay, so there's your other big...
1: I heard it was just a replay
0: of Escape from New York yeah, beach, in beach, LA with a wave. Yeah. yeah beat John for
1: Carpenter beat, always the said the problem with sequels is people are only showing up to see the original movie again, yeah. but different. So, yeah. And so I think what he did was he said, it, really? Okay. And, yeah. and so he did that liter- to the point that he gave, I can never remember that Italian actress's name, but he gave her uh, Adrienne Barbeau's I, wig. Yeah. The girl from uh, Rain Man <laughs> yeah. uh, and Hot Shots. But yeah, it's literally beat for beat,
2: uh, Escape from New York, but they've upped the stakes and condensed it down to instead of where he's got like 20 hours or whatever, they give him nine hours or the nanobots in his system that they infected him with are going to explode uh, or whatever. So yeah, it literally, like in that regard, since it's carbon copy of the original, it's almost like he's making a meta statement on the stupid nature yeah. of sequels. So in that yeah. regard, it works to a T, but as a
0: film, it's just, no, not, no. So wh- uh, if Escape from New York didn't exist, would you say that? If it was the exact same movie, but it just wasn't in the shadow uh, of the first one? Well, that's hard to disconnect from because I've seen Escape from New
2: York so many times. Okay,
0: but uh, Escape from New York you think of as a good movie. Yeah. You say this is a carbon copy and it's not a good well, movie, so what's well, the deal?
2: Uh, They just basically, this is like the Reader's Digest version of Escape from New York. Everything is condensed, so he's basically just bouncing from one instance to a next instance to have like a fight or an explosion or whatever, but they don't really set it up as any sort of stakes. He's just sort of meandering through at a blistering pace to get to the the goo-ga at the end so that he can save the day, uh, and then move on it doesn't do anything to extend the snake Pliskin mythos at all so it's just a lot
1: of cultural differences between now or now between when la came out and new york came out because at the time of the new york one there was a whole slew of new york is dying movies like the warriors and Mm -hmm. miss 45 and it like fell into it was sort of a very specific genre but yeah. it was also holy crap! How did they do all this with no budget? It's it's I an mean, amazing feat. I love Snake really of New York as a film. Uh, yeah,
2: and that's that's at his height, the Carpenter apex. Uh, also,
1: the the sort of Snake pliskin, tough guy, you know, fuck you action schlock, was so well done. And then by the time you get to L.A., it's so cliche. It's kind of like if yeah. if, mm-hmm. if if uh, um. If Hitchcock had survived and made Psycho two, yeah, you know you'd go well. Yeah, <laughs> <what>? <laughs> yeah
2: I mean that's it. Or, it.
0: Basically, or these Terminator movies where it's yeah. ba- you know, like just the original Terminator has this like scrappy energy to it, yeah, you know, yeah. because it was made it's, on the cheap because it's an indie. Kind of
2: thing. But yeah, okay. basically, uh, Escape from L.A. sort of plays like uh, a Weird Al parody song almost. It's got all of the beats, but everything is just slightly off and is nonsense. I mean, that's literally it. I'm
0: sorry, but that would have been better. Weird Al Yankovic is Snake Plissken <laughs> in
3: Escape from LA. <laughs> yeah.
2: I mean, it might as well. Uh, but yeah, but, the, but then the, the franchise one, that's an interesting point because that leads me into the other one that I watched in the last week, uh, which was Predator 2. Which I had not seen in like oh the Danny 20- Glover one yeah the Danny Glover Bill Paxton I saw that
0: in the theater yeah as did I in 1990 when it came yeah, out yeah
2: as did I it came out uh like right after RoboCop two and they both have the same sort of vibe it's because it's like a near future blah 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 because Predator two right. made in 1990 uh, set in 1997 they were making Ooh. such a
0: big deal about the L.A. subway yeah. Because you know, it was being built at the time. Yeah, exactly. I remember, use the L.A. subway is that a thing. <laughs> yeah,
1: I, I remember. So. I remember when that came out, Chris. You and I were both like, "It's a Stephen Hopkins joint," because we were so like thinking this guy is so originally hilariously awesome. Yeah, because of uh, he, Nightmare Elm Street Five. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he went on to yeah. b- like make like horrible shit, like uh, blow out the the bomb movie with tommy lee jones and uh yeah yeah he, he did not he did not uh, uh answer his potential
0: yeah no uh
1: <laughs> he did not ever reach
0: the the soaring heights of nightmare on elm street five the dream child yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh but yeah it's he and rennie harlan boy they just never quite never quite topped their
3: nightmare he was on a
1: graphic streets. artist who lied his way into directing yeah. That's what I really loved about him is that he had r- literally no idea what he was doing. Well, that's the th- I think it was uh,
2: Nightmare on Street 5 that had the sequence where the guy uh, is lifting weights and then turns into a cockroach or something, and the barbell like snaps his arms in half. Yeah, something <laughs> or, yeah, yeah, whatever yeah. it was. So, like, based on that, I'm like, oh, this guy's one to watch. But then, yeah, he went on to do Predator 2, which is just bunk. I mean, it literally just puts a nail in the coffin of why does a movie need a sequel? and the answer is it doesn't predator doesn't need a sequel but now there's like 10 of them and it begs the question of why they keep making these things cuz there is no good
1: predator sequel
0: stop trying to make money? predator happen it's not going to happen yeah so <laughs> yeah. cash uh, so, i think
1: it's cash if yeah. i were to if i were to like like you know uh, really really put my money on something it would be uh money yeah. that's why they keep doing it so, so sure. I, would, I would just put a, a pin in that one because uh,
2: that, that is a potential show somewhere down the line where we can talk about why there are no good Predator sequels. Uh, I mean, they,
0: unnecessary sequels sounds like a good show. Yeah. Uh,
2: but yeah, but based on, on Nightmare on Elm Street 5, uh, I was kind of stoked going, for whatever reason, probably because I was like 20 years old, uh, stoked for <laughs> Predator 2. But yeah, he wanted to do Blown Away, which is just the most ridiculous over-the-top Pseudo action, whatever.
0: Oh, is that the one where Tommy Lee Jones is an Irish accent?
2: Yeah, and then okay. he's like, he's like crazy Irish. It's like when he, when Tommy Lee Jones was making hay out of being the crazy terrorist in those because yeah. he like did that in Under Siege right around the same time. Uh, and then after that was uh, Lost in Space, which is just just a
3: oh boy a POS oh, oh, movie.
2: Oh,
1: that's a show. You know, you got to we got to rewatch that sometime because you wouldn't believe how good it is actually now it's not it's like once, it's you, not. Accept, once okay. you accept
2: once you accept what it, it is <laughs>
1: i can <laughs> yeah i can arbitrate this this is a show we're gonna yeah. do it okay stay tuned everybody there's
2: there's two show ideas that we'll get to <laughs> i'm
1: uh, not kidding it's it's not good but it's nowhere yeah. <laughs> near as bad as you remember
2: yeah it is yeah it is but okay we uh. can argue that uh but then the only uh real interesting one in the whole lot in between predator 2 and now is the ghost in the darkness only because it was written uh, by William Goldman and it's based on a true event, which is like the the British empire. They're building a railroad in Africa, but the building site is being plagued by these two lions who are like super predators and are just killing for sport. And then uh, Michael Douglas shows up later as like the big game hunter and it's Val Kilmer and him uh, doing this like weird colonial African thing it's not a great movie but it, at least is interesting and f- enough to watch but uh, yeah the Hopkins oeuvre is just <laughs>
0: I love how Chris is talking yeah. about every movie this guy has made except for Predator 2 <laughs> but anyway. yeah.
1: yeah for Predator 2 let me just point out in a single shot they established the entire alien versus Predator milieu right,
3: right. Yeah. that's, that's right. T- yeah. for
1: me the big thing about this is that somebody goes what the fuck well, Look the at that, thing is on that trophy wall. Oh,
2: shit. yeah. Well, the thing is that the, that it was made by Fox, I believe, and they had the rights to Aliens, and so the set designers mm-hmm. were just like, "Ah, fuck it. We can. We'll just throw it in there as a joke." It was just like a, a throwaway. It wasn't supposed to mean anything, and it was just supposed to be a real quick. But everybody who saw the movie went, is that a fucking alien? What? Uh," And then they lost
1: their minds. And then that kicked off that whole alien versus predator BS. Kind of the way how in the Phantom Menace you can see that one uh, uh, Senate car full of ETs. And everyone was like, this is the same universe. Yeah. Oh, this
0: is this is pre-internet where the people went apeshit over that and it spawned the comics and a whole bunch of other shit and movies and video games and you name it yeah alien versus predator became a thing but but yeah it was Ugh. it had to take off i don't even know how how it spread it had to be like movie or magazines like yeah. fangoria who, who knows? and knows but they, they picked up on like it that. But, Premier.
2: but i will posit this and then we can move on uh Perhaps there's not been a good Predator sequel because no one has been able to to re-up Arnold Schwarzenegger to
1: bring back Dutch.
2: Perhaps it's because
1: Predator was actually shit. Has anyone considered this, that that the movie is just not (laughs) actually good? I like Predator because it knows exactly what it is. It's not trying to be anything else, and it's just fun. Whatever it is about that movie that's good has nothing to do with said Predator. Yeah, you know, it's like well, the
0: predator is an interesting uh concept, like the you know this this creature that you can't see that has the heat vision and and hunts for sport. Yeah, that's a really threatening bad guy. It, but I think it's kind of like the Daleks or the Borg, where like the more you introduce it, the less interesting it is because they keep losing.
1: Man, yeah, <laughs> I think I think it makes it challenging for a movie that the most interesting thing about them is you can't see them. That's just me. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean, yeah, who knows? But,
2: but I also recently watched The Predator, where they had to put V in front of it to differentiate right. it from anything else.
0: That's the Shane Black one? Yeah,
2: and that one's just fucking stupid as shit. Oh my god. Um, but the only funny thing in there is they actually have uh, interactions with the characters doing dialogue where they, say it, it's, they call it the Predator, and they're like, why do they call it a Predator? Predator's something that hunts for food, this thing hunts for sport. And they're like, exactly! So they're like breaking down the actual bullshit about the, the whole thing. It's just like, oh, but otherwise, it's <laughs> but that junk.
1: is also at least that one. They were like, you know what? Maybe the first one worked not because of the predator, but because of the, uh, the type a people who were hunting it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Because yeah, Carl Weathers, Jesse, the body Ventura and Arnold Schwarzenegger right? are chewing scenery in the jungle.
1: Yeah. yeah. And so they so. made this more about the, the hunted than the, the hunter.
2: Well, yeah, the, the screenwriters, uh, I think they're brothers, Jim and John Thompson or something, whatever their names are. They had like six ideas uh, that they were going to bring to the table, and then this is the one that they settle on. It's like, basically, it's like the the concrete jungle, man. They're in the city. And then they're like, okay, that that's probably doable for our budget. Let's just go with that. And then it's Joel <laughs> Silver, so it's like, oh, so we got to have like five dozen helicopters uh and just a bunch fights of at show. night
1: but wet it, streets. it looks yeah. low
0: budget it looks low budget for 1990 predator 2 does it looks like a tv show yeah right like it's just it's obviously done on the cheap
2: yeah and it's like literally every time glover shows up i just keep waiting for him to go i'm too old for this shit and it's i supposed mean it's to literally be the like future
1: right and so yeah, it's spent, they, like, yeah. they, and they spend very little time establishing future now yeah
2: well, that's how you know it's going to be a bad movie is when you're watch so, like, say we watch a movie now, 2020, and then the credits come up and then it goes 2027. You're like, oh, this is going to be a doozy because <laughs> yeah. they don't get anything right, but yeah. they put on all this like techno twists that they can get away with because it's in the future. But it's like, there's no way that technology is <laughs> ever going to exist. Come on. So, uh, dumb.
0: All right. <laughs> So, have we have, have we yeah. exhausted the fresh? Fruit? I
2: am I am literally exhausted from talking about it. So yeah, <laughs> uh,
0: I'm good. Fresh goes
3: better, fresh the fresh. So
0: uh, I'm gonna kick off uh, the the main topic proper with the spoiler bump. We're going full spoilers for the boys seasons one and two here.
3: This shit is spoiled. Oh. Yeah. What do you mean? Spoilers. Oh. Oh.
0: Uh, so if you if you're interested in the boys and you haven't seen it, uh, and you want to go watch it, go watch it before we spoil everything because we're not gonna even try to police ourselves here.
2: Why um, should we? Why should we?
1: We shouldn't. It's a podcast. That's what a spoiler warning: Many like people for listen to, to it. warn you if those of people the spoilers, seen the boys, screw so that em. you don't have it spoiled. <laughs> yeah, <laughs>
0: bitch. Uh, All right. So the boys uh, was originally a comic book, and it is a series on Amazon Prime. I have not read the comic but it is sort of what if the Marvel Cinematic Universe but in our present day. Yeah. Well,
2: um, the the comic came out in like 2006 and it's by Garth Ennis who did Preacher uh, and assorted other stuff and then an artist named Derek Robertson. And literally it was just them taking a shit all over the whole superhero mythos in comics because Garth Ennis is on record that he does not enjoy superhero stories at all so anytime he does one it's just basically a giant eye gouge nut punch uh to superheroes and that's exactly what this thing is the comic is so much more over the top gross violent vile disgusting i mean it just like leaps beyond what they did in the show it's very toned down
0: for amazon the show is pretty vile and disgusting yeah you know, it's it it doesn't pull a lot of punches from my perspective. It, the The basic idea is that there is this company called Disney. I mean, Vought and <laughs> Vought basically um has the Seven, which is this the group of the seven best superheroes in the world, and they are everything like they've got cereal boxes in the backgrounds of shots and like every product is somehow merchandise for one of the seven superheroes and they're making movies and yeah
2: it's it basically it's the permeating the culture yeah it's like superhero beings but they've been commodified to within an inch of their lives essentially they're just product
0: yeah and then the main story thread is that the heroes exist because Vought was conducting experiments on babies and uh, with a thing called Compound V and they've been manufacturing the heroes to to present to the world and then we get into what happens if that technology, that genie gets out of the bottle and it gets used by other forces and and shit like that comes up.
2: Well, and then there's the whole subplot where Vought wants to use it on other humans so that they can create super villains so that their heroes actually have stuff to go do and so then they, they can have c-
0: access to the military <laughs> yeah yeah it's like yeah. this
2: whole big venal uh military industrial complex uh shadow conspiracy dark web thing it's yeah
1: there's a lot going on but it's ultimately about a guy whose girlfriend gets accidentally killed by their version of the flash when the flash right. runs the fuck through her, yeah, she and explodes, he meets up with a former CIA agent who is himself hunting the secret of these Vought supervillains, and uh, they team or up to he calls do them in some every fucking episode murders. What they cons. do? Yeah, he yeah.
0: uses he used that word a lot in yeah. this in this show.
2: Carl Urban gets to swear very creatively in every episode, and God <laughs> bless him for that. Ah. Uh. It's
0: good now our 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 guy. What's what's his name? Huey. Uh, Huey. He he always has the same facial expression, which is confused and nauseated all at once.
2: Right. That's yeah. because like, he's at the, all times.
1: He's just yeah. like. Eh, he's eh. The, the
2: everyman heart of the team. I like that in the comic. The, and this is where they diverge. In the comic, he's modeled after Simon Pegg. Uh. Who gave okay. his permission for the likeness? So we Huey in the comic is literally Simon Pegg from Shaun of the Dead and Spaced, <laughs> and it's disconcerting to say the least. But then in the first season of The Boys, Simon Pegg shows up as Huey's father, yeah, and that's even. Oh my weirder. God,
0: that's right. <laughs> it's like what is going on?
2: So yeah, they do a lot of inside jokey joke stuff like that. So,
0: FYI. And let's see. We have uh, so let's run down who our characters are. You mentioned the the version of the Flash. He's called A Train, um, and he's basically um, you know his his storyline involves he's been juicing more or less with this compound V to be fast, and yeah, he's gonna I, like have a heart attack and die, and, and he I, accidentally killed somebody.
2: I like the like his arc because they literally because every character gets to explore some sub. Contextual thing, and his is all about uh professional athletes and right. what they have to go through to maintain their public image versus their private image, and all of the. Plus, he's aging sp- out. Yeah, and the the stress to succeed, and like, do they get retired early? And blah blah blah. So that's like a whole whole subtext for for that guy, which makes it more interesting.
0: Yeah, and then we have, I guess, our our heroine is. This all-American girl who was raised in a Jesus-y family, uh, Starlight, uh, who ha- has to sort of deal with like um, the world does not meet your ideals whatsoever, yeah. and you know now they want you to dress and you know in skimpy clothes and and join the system and yeah and it's, whatnot. I like her her arc is good because I get to do all the Me Too stuff. Because her introduction
2: to the team in the show is the yep. the Deep, their Aquaman character, who's like probably the, the least likable character on the entire show. And that's, and that's saying something, because Homelander, the Superman guy, is a fucking psychopath who will well, kill let's, it a heartbeat. stick beat. to the Deep for a second. <laughs> but, uh, but the Deep basically makes her give him a blowjob on the first day uh, as an initiation ritual. And it's just like, oh, fuck. In the comic book, it's the Deep, it's Homelander, and... Uh I think Black Noir uh all make her give them blowjobs. And <laughs> they so they tone it down just slightly for the show, but not a lot. <laughs> so it's yeah, it's the, that whole arc and then that basically just makes her disillusioned from the get-go. So well, I, so
1: I gotta beat. say I loved uh Queen Maeve, <clears throat> who is sort yeah. of the the resident uh, uh gay character. And what I love is that, you know, she's, she's closeted. She doesn't let the secret out. The secret gets out, and that's when Vaught makes her basically the token gay character in yeah, their right. lineup. And it's like, it, it, it does always bug me how gay characters are reduced basically to just that. There is nothing interesting about any gay character except that they're gay somehow. Yeah. And they—they yeah. so they really yeah, she hates
0: that. that about the way they're treating her. Yeah. Who wouldn't? Yeah. Yeah. Which is, she's, which is, she's, awesome. she's really cynical cause she's been there and been disillusioned for some time. Yeah. And she just kind of goes along to get along. Yeah. She's and a, her, she's a good character.
2: And her arc basically in season two is just essentially like the, the most extreme burnout possible for like a career. And she just doesn't give a fuck anymore uh, for a good chunk of season two. So it's, it's funny yeah. to watch.
0: Well, to wrap up on the deep, uh, his arc is that he basically joins the Church of Scientology. Yeah. (laughs) In his rehabilitation (laughs) bit, he gets kicked out of the Seven for, you know, for his Me Too moment. And he's trying to rehabilitate his image, and he does it through, like, just ridiculous, you know, Uh. Scientology crap. And he marries (laughs) a woman he hates. (laughs) Terribly
1: (laughs) interesting, though. You can tell it's just, like, future season setup stuff yeah
0: but
2: I love the fact that he they make him take that weird hallucinogen and then he has like a conversation with his gills, who's voiced oh, by Patton Oswalt, yeah, <laughs> and then they sing a duet. I mean it's like, what in the fuck is going on with this show, and that's after the deep gets finger banged by some groupie who's really just raping him, uh like she just yeah. like finger banging his gills it's like this is really uncomfortable but i'm not turning away because that guy's a fucking dick that was literally my response to that (laughs) that whole scene
0: there you mentioned black noir black noir is just uh, a basically a ninja yeah he's Um, like like snake eyes yeah he never speaks uh, he's he, I understand in the comics he's just uh basically always backlit and so he has no facial features of any sort and he's Yeah, just he's, yeah, just like an en- yeah.
2: enigma. Uh I like in the show too that you find out his weakness is a uh, tree nut allergy.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like the
2: most ridiculous. Uh, weakness. So
0: and then uh and then there's Homelander. Yeah.
3: And we mentioned
0: We've mentioned him on the show before, and and so much in the same way that Doctor Manhattan and Watchmen was like, what if Superman just you know realized that he didn't have anything in common with uh, humans and didn't care anymore? Yeah. Um, Homelander is more like, what if Superman was a narcissist and just needed constant, you know, affirmation because he's a big baby and uh, has the power to kill uh, on sight, basically. Yeah, because <laughs> he's got if those nice watched, eye
1: labors. If you watched uh, Banshee, the uh is uh, played by Anthony Starr, an actor who I think is very good, but his tongue is too big for his mouth, and so it's always <laughs> coming out. And, and that happens here, not as bad as it was in Banshee, but it's like... Uh, uh, that, that thing rolls out, and I'm just, I get so gacked. Yeah.
0: He's, it, it's, it's got to be partially the makeup and the lighting, but every time you look at his face, you, he's just, he's just off putting. You just look at him, and you're like, yeah. ew. Which is
2: funny, because yeah. I, I the, like the ancillary episode thing that Amazon did for the show and he's on there and he looks normal. He's like, he's not blonde. He's wearing glasses. He literally looks like a young Kurt Russell. It's so weird. Huh? Uh, and he doesn't look anything like a Homelander. So it's just, it's quite the transformation. Lucky him. Cause I was sitting there going,
0: <laughs> he's never getting cast in anything again. Cause all yeah. anybody will see is this creep.
2: It's funny, but yeah, but, uh, but yeah, he's got the laser eyes. He literally, is obsessed with in the first season with Elizabeth Shue's character, who's the, the big head honcho at at Vought, uh controlling their
1: group. And because she just had a baby, and he's jealous because she's my mommy.
2: Yeah, it's very fucked up. <laughs> and he's got like that weird like breast milk fetish thing. It's like what in the is I just ugh, ugh it makes me ill. Oh, yeah. He was <laughs> he raised in a, a lab. Liar. He didn't have real parents,
1: <laughs> yeah. and that's ultimately his. What's fucked him up is yeah. that, yeah, he has, he has no, he kills his dad. <laughs> he, yeah. He, yeah, he's an angry dude. And, and that's what's in so a way, funny. it's justified. In a way, I'm like, yeah, I get it. You know, <laughs> I don't want yeah. him to chop me in half with his laser eyes, but I get it. Yeah. But it's, it's just funny to watch when you see his backstory because
2: he, he basically controls the seven as their leader uh, through fear. Uh, So he's the right out of the autocratic playbook. I mean, he's not controlling them through any sort of uh, motives other than he will fucking kill me if I even cross him. And so he feels like this very paternal nature towards his team needs to be stern with them, etc. And that's so fucked up when you learn that he never grew up with any sort of parental (laughs) guidance. It's like, this is really... Uh, a skewed version of America. It's like that whole like you look at the '50s America, and everybody thinks that that's perfect, you know, nuclear family, blah blah blah. But you realize when you scrutinize, it, it's like that's just poor shit.
1: Given the last four <laughs> years, not 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 so unusual.
3: Yeah, <laughs> <I> think, <laughs> not, not I think so we're skewed. We're going to get into that. Yeah, <laughs> but
1: the fact
2: that 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 they name him Homelander, it just sort of telegraphs the whole nine yards. Uh, yeah, it's yeah.
0: So <laughs> he's very much he's okay. So. He's very much the George W. Bush government, but then we get Stormfront, who yeah. shows up in season two, and she's very much the Trump movement. Um, well, I mean, she's a literal Nazi. Uh, yeah, you might have picked up on Who's that from the internet. Name Stormfront, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but but yeah, she she uses social media and memes and whatnot to basically completely outmaneuver and take over all the power from Homelander Yeah, and in then, the name of white supremacy
3: yeah but
2: since he killed Elizabeth Shue's character still well at the end of the first season she sort of fills the void for his like fuck buddy mommy thing and by like the, I think it's the fourth or fifth episode it ends with them just having this knockdown drag <laughs> out fuck fight uh in her apartment it's like this is just crazy and they're like zapping each other with lasers and i think at one point she's making him blast her chest with his l- eye lasers and she's like mm-hmm. you know <laughs> she's like you're gonna be a fucking pussy or are you gonna blast my chest with your fucking eye lasers I mean, no it's like, go what? ahead
1: <laughs> yeah burn my tits that's what she yeah, yells that at was him. it that was it oh good lord i think uh, what makes homelander so interesting is that he is almost wholly unguided except for his self-love in the beginning. And yeah. Elizabeth Shue tries to basically keep him tethered to the company. And then she fails him. And so it turns to, why don't you, you know, why don't you be guided by your race and your hate yeah, instead of that, And <laughs> I'm, I'm, wow. yeah, I, in the, the third season, I'm pretty sure it's going to be, you know, him learning to be a supervillain. Just me, yeah. me, 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 me. Basically. Although there are glimmers with his character,
2: which is nice. Because that's the thing that, that sort of flies under the radar with the show, is you get these big broad strokes, but then they take the time to put in all the small details throughout the characters. And like, yeah. second season, when... They're at the towards the end when they're at the cabin, and they're gonna take his kid away for that weird, like subpar, where Billy Butcher's looking for his wife because she thinks. Yeah, well,
0: let's explain what that is. Yeah. So. Right. Go for it. So Billy Butcher, the character played by Carl Urban, is his whole deal is he wants to kill Homelander, and we find out by the end of season one the reason he wants to kill Homelander is he th- well he thought that Homelander had killed his wife. Right and what he finds out at the end of season 1 is that it's much worse than that his wife is still alive homelander knocked her up and she had homelander's superboy baby and is being held in a vat facility away from everyone and at the end of season 1 it really seemed like you know he's he's basically learning all of this on the front lawn of the house where where the wife is and Homelander's laughing at him and he's just defeated. I thought he was dead dead dead. Yeah. And then he's back in season 2 and they play out more of the dynamics about this child. And yeah, one of the one of the storylines is that the mom has been trying to raise this child in to such a normal. way that the child yeah, doesn't really he's not he's he's discouraged from using any powers or discovering he has powers. And Homelander's coming in and trying to to say hey you know hey there sport let me teach you how to be a super dude and i'm going to be the father i never was and so there is that sort of glimmer like you said of a a potential redemption arc for homelander of all things but then
2: you find out that it's all for selfish reasons so he basically the kid finds out that the mom lied kid gets pissed so homelander and stormfront take the kid away and then that starts her journey to get with butcher to find him, and then at the end when they go to get the kid at the cabin, etc., uh, and Stormfront's there, just talking about you know the master race and you know people of color suck and blah blah blah, and it's just like all the Nazi s- bullshit rhetoric, and you see that glimmer in his eyes, like mm, really, mm, I don't, mm, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it's like that. It's just like a How really that- quick
1: shut. But it's like, yeah, I'm not sure I'm that into that because that has nothing to do with me and the fact that I didn't have a dad. It's like, it's not exactly Mm -hmm. positive. It's kind of like, (laughs) okay, yeah, I shouldn't have uh, forced a blowjob on Starlight because that hurt my career. So I will now do something that helps my career. Yeah. you know but just like uh, the motivations aren't
2: necessarily good well yeah but you but you still see like he's got a moment where it's like okay so he's not actually a nazi he's still a dick but he's obviously disconnected from that whole rhetoric and so that's how you know that he's still operating in his own realm uh, he's so not it was a, a nice
1: he's not a nazi but he's still a serial murderer yeah
2: that's. I didn't say it was. I didn't say he was <laughs> redeemed. I just think it's just interesting that they layer in little stuff like that, but they don't telegraph it. So he's he's literally just giving a look like,
0: mm, okay, I don't I don't know. And then you're like, is okay, it white genocide is it
3: though? Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. Uh,
2: but again, yeah. this is the show that will also like plow a speedboat through the belly of a whale that the deep is controlling, just so <laughs> Just so they can have like a gore fest thing. I mean, they literally it's like one extreme or the other. It's just funny.
0: Yeah, so there's there's a lot of of just gore, right? Like this is a violent, bloody show. Mm -hmm. And they tell you that from from the jump. Like one of the first things that happens is Huey is walking down the street with his girlfriend and she just gets turned into blood and guts and spewed everywhere because A Train just didn't see her and ran right through her and just vaporized her yeah
1: um, apparently and, and though, before yeah. oh yeah which which forces him to stop turn to huey and say oh sorry man and then like keep running <laughs> yeah yeah, I can't, yeah. <laughs> I can't stop i can't
2: stop because he was running uh to go get more compound v because he's an addict uh so that's like his whole sub we don't find out for uh, a good couple of episodes so you're basically no, like, but just... it's
0: a statement of intent. It's like yeah, you're gonna see heads explode and blood and death yeah. all well, over this show.
2: Well, then they end up kid- like, kidnapping the one of the seven translucent, who's a guy that can just be invisible, um, but who's also got like impervious skin or something. And then they basically shove an explosive up his butthole to basically keep him under control. And then Huey, like this is where Huey discovers his agency in the whole thing. He's, he basically just decides that he's going to blow the guy up because they have like an argument altercation. And then Huey just like, fuck you. And then it's like guts everywhere. And that's like the second or third episode. So it's literally just every other episode. They're just something so over the top gross that they just keep going, going, going. That's the
3: Garthans. Yeah.
0: So I found myself... My wife and I both had this reaction. We we liked season one better than season two. Yeah. And I don't quite know why. I'm, I'm curious if if you guys didn't have that reaction or had that reaction or what.
1: I didn't like season two more than season one, but I didn't have a problem with season one. And I think... What you're discussing is a common problem. When you have something that goes from zero to 60, the best it can do next is go from 60 to 80. It's like there isn't mm-hmm. as much room to move. Yeah. And that's, well, that's really the problem with this thing is that, like, where do you go from?
0: Well, you know, I, I, think, I think it's also a victim maybe of its environment. So when it came out season one, Right. We're at like peak Marvel cinematic universe. And it kind of reads like a piss take. Right. It's 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 kind of like, OK, what if Marvel but, you know, cynical and, you know, and gross and funny and haha, And isn't this a, a breath of fresh air? When you get to season two at the end of the Trump administration and you've got the nexus of Homelanders deep, deep narcissism and Stormfront's deep, deep white supremacy it ain't funny anymore
2: (laughs) well and that's the the trick it's they the comic book is always severely dark uh and they definitely honed off the rough edges for the show but for me the second series it, it it took about four episodes for me to actually get into the groove because it just seemed like they were trying to cram too much in as a bridge to the third season and then it mm. finally settled in when you find out that Stormfront is actually a Nazi, and then that became the focus, and then they could kind of move on from there. And by the time they get to the, the, the quote unquote girl fight, which is Starlight, right. Mave, and then the female,
0: uh, I don't know wow. what her name is. She uh, never speaks.
2: <laughs> it's Kamik, yeah, Kamiko, who's basically the only superpowered person on the boys' team. Uh, and they just do a throwdown with Stormfront and beat the shit out of her. And that was one of the most enjoyable parts of the whole season for me was just watching a Nazi get beat down. I love seeing that every time mm-hmm. it happens in a movie because it's just it needs to be done. <laughs> I,
0: I will say season two was kind of a slog. It was just nasty. It wasn't fun. It was it yeah. was mean. Eh, but. The final episode does have good payoff, and and kind of made the whole thing a little better in retrospect. Yeah, well, but yeah, could, yeah.
2: I like that they they basically the big mystery is who's the soup, exploding all the heads for Vought. <laughs> that uh, was awesome. And the, yeah, and through the and you think it's the girl from the the soup factory that they've got rolling where they're injecting just humans and seeing if they take the drug or not. And there's one girl who can like crush heads with her, her hand powers. Right. Uh, It's a total fake out. Yeah. And you think it's her. And then by the end of the the show, by the season's end, you find out that it's the AOC modeled character, the Congresswoman who's basically working for Vought Uh, to sort of distract from all the people that want to go after Vought. And she's like their biggest opponent in public. But at the same time, she's just crushing heads left and right. Uh, So yeah, by the end of the the series, when you find out it's her, that's the big final review. And you're like, oh, shit. And then Huey goes to work for her re-election campaign. And then the show ends with Only the Good Die Young by Billy Joel. I'm like, okay. I'm in for season three now. That literally sewed everything right back up for me, and I'm good to roll.
0: I and I felt like if if the show had ended at the end of season two, they gave it a good enough ending that that could have just been the ending, because yeah. they basically disbanded the boys. Butcher's arc has a reasonable closure to it. Bill Huey's uh, arc has reasonable closure to it. The the other members of the boys, there's this black dude who who left his family to be in the boys and hunt soups who gets back to his family and then there's the french guy who has been trying to romance the the silent kimiko girl uh finally takes her dancing yeah yeah
1: convenient
2: well that's the thing that's the other thing that brings up it's like the The
0: train yeah (laughs) but the uh
2: the way they name the characters it's so perfect because that really just illustrates that it's just a big giant satire of the superhero genre so like carl urban plays butcher that's spot on Mm -hmm. uh jack quaid plays huey and that's literally like baby huey uh so he's sort of coddled and doesn't really know what he's doing uh and then you got homelander uh starlight which is the obvious like she's got like the the light powers a train uh etc the deep uh, Stormfront, Black Noir is the one that kills me because it's just like, why, <laughs> why would that even be a thing? Um, Black Black. I'm I think noir, that's, noir. that's
1: from uh, yeah, uh, that's from Noir Spider Man, isn't it? Is it? Because that was a thing when uh the boys came out. I mean, okay. it existed, I believe. Yeah. Ugh. But yeah, it's just, uh,
2: it's quite funny. And then, and then all the secondary characters, like the guy that shows up that can control fire called lamplighter, who's played by the guy that was Iceman in the (laughs) X-Men movies. It's like, so they, they find, they find all these ways to just subvert the tropes, uh, and deconstruct them, uh, that doesn't seem forced. I mean, it like little Easter eggs all over the place. And that's what's made it most fun for me. Uh, because they, they just assume that the people watching the show are actually paying attention and have a reasonable grasp on how things work in the superhero world uh, from comics and movies and stuff. So I applaud them for that. Thank you for not pandering.
0: Yeah, and everything's awful and the good guys don't win because it never ends. And yeah. the corporations are playing all angles. and Yeah, I mean, it's
1: it's a deeply cynical show for deeply cynical times. Yeah. It's, but what's more it, cynical that they're trying to uh, tell you that corporate big corporations are evil or that a big corporation like Amazon allowed it to be shown. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, mean, it's, I mean, they're it's, basically it's, pissing right in your face. It's a meta commentary, <laughs> <laughs> but
2: that's the thing is it, there's so many subtextual levels that it's working on. And I don't know how they pulled off because there's so many threads. So you've got the, the superhero piss take, a which is the surface level, but then they go after the Disneyified conglomerate media culture that we're all enduring in this day and age, uh, <laughs> and it just and it just relentless in the show. Like you were saying earlier, Brian, it's like the the superheroes have their own movies; they're doing their own branding for products. They have to go out and do public appearances. <laughs> the cereal
0: boxes, frosted A-trains in one shot. It just kills <laughs> yeah, me. <laughs>
2: right? Yeah. Oh, so it's just ridiculous. And then by the time you get to the crux of the first season where they are, Vought is creating supervillains so that they can go fight them. They have to go save a plane f- from terrorists. And then Homelander, in the process of killing the terrorists, fucks up the plane. So it's going to crash rather than try to save anybody he forces Maeve to just leave the plane and watch everybody die. And it's like that literally like their whole crux of the show is what would happen if superheroes were real. And I think that's the most realistic moment in that entire enterprise is like Homelander's just a psychopath and he would rather see everybody die than try to even make an attempt to be a real hero. It's so subversive, but it's also just steeped in nihilism. Now remember you are the
0: real heroes yeah. Ugh. Ugh. yeah it 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 just i and I guess maybe that's it is is it just it it rings a little too true for me, and it just it it says a lot of things that are uncomfortable truths about the world we live in and and it just it's depressing. <laughs>
2: Yeah, <laughs> that's probably the biggest thing, is the season two sort of followed the full-on Empire Strikes Back model, where it's just a real downer, and they don't even try to disguise it. Because uh, the first one was just fun and subversive, albeit very in-your-face about it. But the second season was just like, oh god, every episode's making me feel worse.
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: So, you know.
0: So, yeah, other thoughts? That's pretty much what I had. Well, do you
2: think, because this thing came out first in 2006, the comic, uh, do you think this would have played in a
1: pre-MCU era? No. Because no. it took the MCU to convince us that we could care about superhero team-ups. Right. Gotcha. Because I remember when they were going to make Captain America and Thor and going, are you out of your fucking mind? Nobody cares about <laughs> Captain America or Thor. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Watchmen... Worked as a graphic novel back
0: in the 80s. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Covers is it covers some th- of the same kind of territory,
3: but. Yeah.
2: Well, that's the deal is the boys is not really covering any new territory thematically because we've had the Watchmen, we've had the Alan Moore deconstructions of superhero-dom, but then we've also had stuff like the Tick, which also in its own goofy way takes the piss out of superheroes. Uh, as comics and entertainment. And then you've got stuff like the Venture Brothers, which has this entire vast world uh, and sandbox that they're playing in where they're doing the same thing. Uh, So I guess maybe over the last 14, 15
1: years, we've just maybe been desensitized enough. Okay, I get it. I see what the problem is. Okay, so uh, things like The Tick and uh, Venture Brothers worked because their audience was into that. But they were never mainstream, and then superheroes became mainstream, and that's why the boys works. Yeah, because okay, now okay. it's now it's everybody. It knows about superhero team ups, not just the geeks. And yeah. the messaging of yeah, you know those heroes you think are so cool, they really only exist to sell you cereal. That is literally <laughs> why they're there.
3: <laughs> yeah, you, you need a lunchbox. Box <laughs> you yeah. need
2: a Queen Maeve lunchbox. That's what you
1: need. Oh. Yeah, you, 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 you know. You you think you're into these things, but really you're just surrounded by them. You have no yeah. choice. <laughs> uh, so yeah,
2: again, comes right back to it. This show's really kind of a downer. Uh, I can only take so much. is enough. a downer, though. I life know, but I can a, only take is,
1: is is a big fucking zero. So I, I, I kind know. of appreciate that they they're telling oh, yeah. the truth. It'd be a lot better if none of us were born. Quite frankly, you know. Uh.
2: Well, I think for me, it's just there's only so much nihilism I can take from my entertainment before I just kind of shut down. And I think that season two kind of pushed it right to the edge, but it redeemed
1: itself. So I'm on board again for season three.
0: All right.
3: I would like to
1: see, I would like actually to see Homelander go full nihilism and be like, yeah, the, the 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 superhero uniform's all shredded up because he hasn't changed it in a week, and he's just letting shit happen. He's going full yeah. Hancock basically, and <laughs> I, like yeah, no basically. one can stop him. That will be I, the I fun. I love how one. these
0: people just wear their superhero outfits for anything. Like when Maeve is just like smoking a bong and and like having a depressive episode in her house, she's wearing her superhero costume. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it's because
2: they're in the gilded cage. They're in the Vought Tower. I mean, that's literally all it is. They're literally uh, the modern equivalent of the gladiators from Rome. They're treated like kings, but only insofar as that they have to do these things that the company tells them to do. Uh, so it's, it's just a funny through line that the only reason that they're even under any sort of control is because they've got these legal contracts.
1: And somehow that means something to yeah. them. I do, I do wonder, though, that they do not the vault the, the, the keepers the people at the corporate overlords some of them must also be on v that keeps them impervious from destruction in order for uh homelander not to run the whole thing you know well you know I like find, I me, thought that's find where find they me were a baby go. Yeah. yeah find me a baby who can't be uh uh destroyed by laser eyes and yeah. then let's get them uh, <laughs> uh let's get them uh, a, a bachelor's degree an MFA in, yeah. in uh marketing you know yeah Well, there's a possible That's what they call it, an MB. Here's
2: here's a good fan theory. Maybe we can see how it plays out in season three. Giancarlo Esposito, who's everybody's favorite bad guy right now, because he's showing up in The Mandalorian, et cetera. Uh, He's the big bad corporate suit for Vought. And something tells me that he's probably taking Compound V because he has just an air of fuck you about him anytime Honelander is in the room. And it's Mm -hmm. like... I know it's he's supposed to be like corporate raider, whatever, whatever. But it's like there's got to be something else going on, uh, and it's not just the head exploding woman.
0: Well, no. So I like that better. If if what we're saying is that you know even Disney is more powerful than even these superpowers. Like the power of (laughs) just like blackmail and money and influence is even more evil and
1: unbeatable than Superman. what yeah. business creates a product that will ultimately drive them out of business by, you know, killing everyone? They're going to yeah. have some like, modicum of control over it. Yeah. Um
0: Exxon? Because it seems up oh. to now that uh, <laughs> Homelander
1: is just, you know, literally in charge of everything, you know. Except, yeah, Esposito isn't having any of it.
3: Yeah. Uh,
2: we'll see. But, uh, yeah. It's quite a deal. But yeah, I would, if you guys haven't read the comic, I would say just do the first one or two and get some background on it because it is just, it will blow your mind how over the
1: top fucking yeah, awful even it is. worse it is.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. But then yeah. I found it so, much
1: less depressing than these guys. Let me just say that. But then yes. I live in a different <laughs> mental space, so I wouldn't. Well, (laughs) you know,
2: I I think Brian and I are still reasonably entertained. We're just not to the
0: point where we feel like that's
3: us. Right. Well, here's
0: the thing: if you can't get enough of nihilism, listen to our podcast. Yeah. Subscribe to it. (laughs) Share it on your social feeds, or Um, don't. You know, because
1: nihilism, whatever. Yeah, it's true.
0: You could send a tweet, but what's the point? We're at Mag Huge and. Facebook. They're nihilist Facebook. <laughs> well it looks like a lot of work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> of course if you are a nihilist, you probably nice get warming. a lot out of Twitter. Um, yeah. Go to Facebook if you really, really don't care because you know, Facebook. We're yes. there. Oh, We're the Magnificent okay, Huge bo- podcast.
2: Okay, boomer.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or yeah, it's we're all on about Instagram, the but we're all now, old and apparently. we never look at Instagram. So good luck with that there. Hey, we're know. a
2: podcast that puts up pictures sure. on Instagram. It's so stupid, but it works.
0: Whatever. <laughs>
3: and, then our, or, and then
2: our website. Tell yeah,
0: maghuge.com. dot com m a g h u g e dot com. Does anybody go to websites for anything anymore? Is that is that something people do?
2: Does
1: anybody remember laughter? <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, I go to
2: every website with the hope that there will be some nihilism for purchase.
0: Yeah. Well, none of it matters. Send us an email. Magnificentlyhuge at gmail.com. Or don't. Whatever. Whatever. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs>